Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. Another striking feature about my birth was its momentous timeline. I arrived four months after Nigeria's first ever military coup. Two months before the counter-coup, and less than a year before the civil war broke out. Follow the intriguing chronicles of a great man, in his own words, in the grip of grace. A book by I.D. Anang. Available online on Amazon, Roving Heights, and www.navigatewithid.com. Also available at Guided Streams bookstores. In the grip of grace by I.D. Anang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends, to Navigate with ID. It's such a pleasure and honor to be here today. And let me start by saying Baka de Salah to our Muslim friends and listeners. I'm sure you all had a blast and a great time. Well, for me, just a couple of visits here and there. It made my day, made my days. And uh, more importantly, I think as a country and as a people, we must be grateful to God for the gift of life. And so I bid you welcome to this very illustrious program. And today's episode is coming in the midst of so many things that are happening to so many people. If you are just joining for the first time, this is a program that is focused on building you as an individual, self-development, personal development, and to a large extent also your business development. So if you have nothing else to do, I think you should hook up to this time every Tuesday and every Thursday as you walk the maze with me, as we look at specific items that will make life a lot better for you and I. We've been looking at a very interesting series which we just started, and it has to do with presenting a practical manual for those that are either job hunting or career changers. And so in the last episode, I had the rare privilege of switching into a different kind of mood, and I decided to give you what I call practical tips, especially for career changers and for those that are switching jobs, practical tips for the interview. And I recall giving you the very last tip, which had to do with what you need to work with and accumulating the stars. What did I talk about stars? I said, if you are going for an interview or a chart, and you want to switch jobs, change jobs, or you want a career switch, you definitely will go in for an interview or have a chat with somebody. That is, if you are working for someone. But if you're going to work for yourself, then of course, you know, the conversations will be very different. Very soon, we'll get to that kind of state where we'll be talking about internal conversations for those that want to work for themselves. But this has to do wait, working for someone else. And so I did say that many people get to flunk the opportunity at the interview stage. Why? Because many people are not prepared. Many have no idea of what they are getting into. And why is that? Because of the lack of research. They don't do any research about the company or even the supposed interviewers. I tell people a lot of times, if you are going in for an interview, you definitely will have a sense of who you will be meeting. Why do you not then spend some time to understand who that person is? Thanks to Google. Google has made it possible for us to extract meaningful information. Thanks to LinkedIn. Thanks to several other itemized profiles that would allow you to have a sense of the man or woman you're about to meet. In my time, we didn't have that, friends. In my moments, it gone at those days, we never had an opportunity. There was no space where you could go type in and say, who are the directors in Guinness? How will I get to know each of them and what they do and what they have done and where they are going? That never happened in my time. But today, all you need to do is just type IDNANG and my entire life will come before you as a screen. So if you're coming to meet me as an interviewer, what do you need to do differently? And these are the tips I want to share with you as we go on. It may take me a longer while, but it's for you, friends, because it has to happen. A lot of us will run away from all those days of 
I am not performing, I'm not doing well, simply because there is no direction. And let me say this to very many of you that are listening. From next month, I'm going to start a very interesting series. It's a very interesting series because we'll start promoting it. It's going to be titled Launch and Learn. I'm just seeding that so you understand. When we start promoting it on our Instagram or my LinkedIn pages, those are the two uh, domains in which we'll promote it. I want you to start bracing to it because very many of you that lack direction, there are several pain points. I want to have the privilege and the God-given grace and wisdom to be able to share and help you come through that maze and those pain points. Because for some of us to have come through the whole maze, it's important for us to raise a generation that will be better than we met it. It was important for us to make the world better than we met it. And that is a singular honor and a privilege and a purpose that I've driven in all of this time. So keep it locked. I'll give you a lot more information as we go on. Possibly with the next episode, I'll go into the drills a lot more. But just understand that the time has come and the moment is here where some of your pain points career-wise, we can sit around the table and have a live conversation. And at the end of the day, you know, just munch some food and have a few drinks and say au revoir. Well, let's not get it out of the skin of what we want to talk about, especially some of these tips I'm giving you, we can bring them to life in that particular session. Let me start today with a tip number one, that is for the Thursday edition. I know I had about three or four tips on, on Tuesday. Today, I'm starting with tip number one for this beautiful Salah edition of Navigate with ID. And it's an interesting tip. Many of us go for interviews, but we don't have a rule. Many of us attend interviews to think of impressing the interviewer, but we end up flunking it. Why? Because there is a rule called the 50-50 rule. What does that mean? A lot of studies have revealed that in general, people who get hired are those who make speaking and listening 50-50 in the interview. That is to say, half the time, they let the employer, the would-be employer, do the talking. Half the time in the interview, they do the talking. Have you seen situations where people come in from the blast of the whistle and waiting you, they talk. Hey, it's the 50-50 rule. 50% to the would-be employer to talk, 50% to you as the would-be employee to respond and not react. But many times, many people flunk their interviews. Why do you have to talk more than yourself? Now, a lot of people don't know this mix, and I'm giving you a very fine kernel and a fine space to be in because we are in the mid-year. There are many people about to shift into other jobs. There are companies that are looking to hiring superlative characters to help them through the maze, through the challenge they're facing. And they have looked at you, they've zeroed in on you, whatever form and shape in which they got your CV, they've gone through the stages. Now you're going to meet some of the big guns, even at the early stages where you are having the, what I call the recruitment interview, because they're going to get some HR guy or HR officer to start asking you questions. And if you get the call, from Dubai or from South Africa or the headhunter or from the UK. Those ones do what I call the screening. They are just there to screen and write a report. Oh, I think um, this person is okay. We can push him to partner one. And after partner one, you meet partner two. After partner two, then you meet the big kahuna himself. People who don't follow this mix, the 50-50 rule, are the ones who don't get hired. Now, there's a study which was done way back in time. And this study clearly showed one thing. And it was done by the MIT. You know what? Um, it was done by a researcher at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Um, and the name of the researcher has been lost in the midst of time. But this interesting study was what brought about this particular aspect. And when I read this and I brought it home to myself, I said, listen, this is exactly what happens. Because growing up and some of the interviews I attended, when you get in there, you want to show them you are 
a fantastic marketing guy, fantastic brands guy. You'll talk yourself out of the football pitch. And then you'll have little time left for the would-be employer to say, hmm, thank you very much, Mr. Inang. We'll get back to you. You just flunked it. Now, the question is, why do people flunk it? My hunch as to the reason why this is so is that when you talk too much about yourself, you come across as one who would ignore the needs of the organization. If you talk too little either, you come across as trying to hide something about your background. So what do you do? How is this radical mix going to come through? These are the kinds of things we will tackle when we have our lunch and learn session. And by the way, let me tell this off the cuff. I don't intend having more than 10 people on the round table. That round table is going to be with 10 people only, and it's going to go through a process. So if you want to be part of it, you need to apply, and there will be rules of engagement, and of course there will be a fee. There's no free lunch, even in Freetown. But one thing I want to do is to dedicate my time to be able to give some part of my time to help groom a generation that will be better than mine. And so if I take this as the first tip that you're calling out from this Salah, beautiful Salah edition of Navigate with ID, I want you to remember one thing. If you are going to attend or to be part of an interview, observe the 50-50 rule, period. Tip number two. Now, when it comes to answering the employer's questions, now when I say employer here, pardon me, I mean your would-be employer or the would-be employer. Now, there's also some kind of rule. Some of these things are, you know, they come with time, with studies, but many of us don't know there's, there's some form of science to all of this. It's not just art alone. It's not the drama that you're going to put forth. It's not the pinging of words. But there's a science to how things have been done. So in answering the employer's questions, there's something called the 20-second to two-minute rule. Now, what this means is that some studies have revealed that when it is your turn to speak or answer a question, you should plan not to speak any longer than two minutes at a time. Listen. If you can remember this tip, it will help you. And you need to practice it. How do I know it? I have Navigated ID in bite sizes that we run five minutes on different stations, on different stations across the country. Somehow, because I've done this week in, week out for many years, the five-minute program gets to a point where when it's getting close to it, I get that hunch. And if I stretch beyond the time I should spend, maybe four minutes talk time, I begin to feel it in my throat. So you must train yourself in answering questions. You must do some demo. Get your friends, your younger ones, your partner, your spouse. Just go into this conversation and you know what you're testing. You're testing the 20-second to two-minute rule. It is possible to put your views across in 20 seconds. It's just that as Nigerians, first and foremost, we talk too much. You want to bring the entire meal, the father, mother, and every member of the family together, and you outdo yourself. Friends, I just gave you a tip. The first tip was observe the 50-50 rule. Tip number two, in answering the employer's questions, you need to observe what I call the 22nd, that is, 20 seconds to two minutes. You should not talk or answer more than two minutes if you want to make the best impression. As a matter of fact, a good answer to an employer's question sometimes only takes somewhere between 20 seconds to 20 to 30 seconds to give. 30 seconds. You know, one of my very great movies gone in 60 seconds. I tell you, that movie has influenced my life in more ways than one. I think it was Nicolas Cage, if I remember correctly, many years ago, that gone in 60 seconds. I always said to myself that there is nothing I cannot walk out of. In 60 seconds, I make that decision and just watch me, watch my back. I'm gone in 60 seconds. I want to announce to you that you can put your points across 
in not more than averagely 30 seconds. So if you speak for one minute, that's a lot of talk time. If you don't know, just go try to be an OAP or a producer or a voiceover artist. Go try do voiceover for 60-second commercial. You realize that it's a lot of talk time. But because we go, we don't realize it. At the end of the day, you don't make any impressions. So anything less than the 20, 30 seconds just feels that like you don't know what you're talking about or you don't have communication skills. That presupposes that the question that is posited to you is a straight closed question, meaning did you open the door? And you can answer yes or no. Did you eat the food? Yes or no. I'm not talking about closed questions because when you go for interviews, you are never given 90% closed questions. They want to hear you. So they are mostly open-ended. And some form of rhetorical questions come to play. With this in mind, friends, with these tips, it's probably going to take a longer number of our sessions this month. But I want to go into a third tip. And that tip three in this whole interview, practical manual, practical tip for career changers and those job hunting. Tip number three, courtesy of Navigate with IDNN. Now, you must determine to be seen as part of a solution, not as part of the problem. Every company has two main preoccupations for its day-to-day -day work. Don't be fooled. They have two preoccupations. The problems, that is what they prefer to call challenges, but they have issues, major. In fact, the bigger the head, the bigger the problem. Whenever you see most of these big multinationals, big companies, you say, oh, they are big. Trust me. That bigness, that size, comes with a lot of the terrain. Challenges emanate every day. They are faced with problems which they call challenges daily. And what they need are solutions. So every single organization or company, whether it's a small, medium, or huge enterprise, has those two. In my little corner of corporate shepherds, we have our own challenges. And so we must continually strive to look for solutions, my colleagues and I. And so it goes, the bigger the head, the bigger the headache. But one of the things you must understand is that if companies you know, need to have solutions to those challenges, who brings up the solutions? It's the employees and the management that will bring up the solutions. But many times, management actually prefers to use the employees to get the thing done. I'll tell you something. When you look at the guys at the top, especially those ones that have not been well-baked, they will have knee-jerk reactions that they call solutions, and they keep throwing the company into further deep, deep, deep challenges because the men at the top were not well-baked. See, if you don't bake your dough well, if you don't bake your bread well, and you bring it out, have baked and you eat it, there is no way your tummy will not rumble. It's the same thing as promoting mediocrity. Very many people get promoted with mediocre performance without having the right skills. And these people somehow get to the top. When they get to the top, what do they do? Rather than provide solutions, they themselves become the problem but the company never sees it. It's even worse when it's a one-man show. When it's a one-man company or whatever you may want to call it, that's where you know that this is the son of the owner. The son of the owner will fly in. Just like you have him, it will fly in. There will always be a helipad on the head of the organization. And this son or daughter of the owner will fly in this imaginary helicopter and land on the helipad and then walk into the top the executive room and begin to call the shots. That is disaster waiting to happen. If you are interviewing and you cannot sense that this is a disaster organization I'm about to step into, you have yourself to blame. But 
I've also realized that people are funny. People are different. There are certain employers who will entice you with a lot of money. I'll tell you in the first month, they'll tell you, oh, we are going to pay you so much. Uh, we're going to pay you 35 million, 40 million. You say, oh, oh, hooray, I've gotten the cash, the job. The first month, they'll pay you, they'll humor you by paying you whatever the amount was, divided by 12, net of taxes. The second month, they'll pay you. By the third month, some stories, performance, well, the company is not doing well. By the fourth month, if you are not careful, by the sixth month, they're already telling you that you need to go on half pay. All of that happened because you didn't smell the cheese at the point of the interview. So what I'm saying to you is that every organization has two main preoccupations for its day-to-day -day work, the problems and the solutions. And they look forward to the employees and management to come up with them. However, you going in there to have the interview, you must be mindful of this and say to yourself, if I'm going to be a solution to their problem or their challenge, then I must also have my back covered. And so your questioning will be about getting commitments to ensure you cover your back. Therefore, the main thing an employer is trying to figure out during your hiring interview with you is, will you be part of the solution there or just another part of the problem? So if you're going in for an interview, they typically will be sensing, is this guy coming here going to create more problems? Is this lady going to be a solution and she's going to be another stress factor for us? I beg, let's pack her. But in trying to answer this concern, you must figure out prior to the interview how a bad employee would, you know what, mess up in the position you are asking for. Such things as, for example, making the wrong call, coming in late, taking too much time off, following your own agenda instead of the employer's agenda. You need to look at those areas that will be the kind of points that will be in their heads about these are the concerns we have about this employee. They think all employees are going to be in the same mode. Maybe you're just coming into a job that someone had left and this individual was very cantankerous. This individual was side, you know, moonlighting, was doing all manner of things on the side. You know, there are a lot of you out there that you think your employers don't know. You are in cahoots and cahoots with your some of your cartels. Some of you are sitting under your gas. You are doing all kinds of deals. You think that management don't know. They're just waiting for the big day when they catch you and they will embarrass you. And so the man or woman that will come to apply or that will be considered to take over from that job that that individual may have lost will be going through the scrutiny in the minds of the would-be employer because they'll be looking at you, first of all, can we trust that this man is not going to be like the former? Can we trust that this woman will not be like the former? And so one way you can get through this is for you to emphasize to the would-be employer during the interview how much you are the very opposite of that imaginary or the last person that they left. Now, if you have done your research well, you would have known that the last guy or the last lady duped them of several millions. And so they are wondering, would this guy be smarter or this lady come on out with us if we are able to survive the last guy or the last lady? How are we sure this one will not be better off? Those are the things going through their minds. But you can come through the door with a separate and a different perspective. And all you need to do is to give them points to show how you would drive the organization's effectiveness, service, and also the bottom line. There is no organization that does not require organizational effectiveness, service, and the bottom line no matter the area or sector you are playing. These are major factors that must be considered. And every role has something to put in into effectiveness. Every role has something to impute into service. And every single role contributes to the bottom line. You want to think that the guy that is a cleaner, the janitor that is cleaning, or the cleaner that is cleaning the office tables, or you want to talk about the driver that is bringing the boss to work, 
you think they are not contributing to the bottom line, let each of them pull out of their roles for a day or two. Then you realize that this is the reason why when there's a looter, when the labor unions want to go, how do they cripple an economy or a state or a country or a concern? Friends, we'll be back on the other side as we continue with this whole practical series for job hunters and career changers. Don't go away, friends. We'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. My grandfather had a great impact on me growing up. He knew how to bring out the fun part of me. With him, laughter was natural and spontaneous. I had the deepest feeling of love, tenderness, and unimaginable happiness whenever I was around. He would call me Kurum. Read the twists, turns, ups, downs, and turnarounds of a man whose remarkable life has touched many. I.D. Anang brings you his first book, In the Grip of Grace, available online at Roving Heights, Amazon, and www.navigatewithid.com. Also available at Guided Streams bookstores. This is Navigate with I.D., brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends. I hope you had a good time just, um, you know, listening to the first half of the program. And just in case you're joining us for the first time, your fingers just managed to get on this dial. I want to bid you welcome to this beautiful day. And um, Baka de Salah to each and every one of you. I hope you had a great time and um, pleasurable days ahead for us all. Friends, we've been looking at practical tips, interview tips, for job hunters and for career changers. I started by talking about my first tip was that you must observe the 50-50 rule. I said the 50-50 rule had to do with 50% listening, 50% talking. Employer would be employee. The second one was observing the 20 seconds to two-minute rule. That is, you can answer the questions in 20 seconds to maximum two minutes. And the tip number three was the one we dwelt on before we went on the break. And it had to do with making folks understand that every organization has two main preoccupations for its day-to-day dealings. One, the problems, which they always refer to as challenges, and then solutions to those challenges, which, of course, they expect employees and management to always come up with. And we went through all manner of conversations, which... I may not be able to, you know, recap, but I'm going to move the needle slightly so we can push from the last point I delivered, saying that anytime you are in an interview, and in that interview, your would-be employer is looking through the lens of, can we trust this guy? Why? Maybe the last person on that seat defrauded the company to the tune of millions. Maybe the last guy, the last sales guy, just carted away a truckload of the goods. Maybe the last finance guy just signed the check and put in the last zero and paid off himself and all sorts. So you may be this unlucky, I'll put it in quote, interviewee that is being looked at and in that lens to say, could this be another smart Alec? And so in that whole jaded lens, they are wondering and asking you some obscure questions. Don't get upset. What you need to do is to balance it out by showing and demonstrating that you will help the organization. Your major personal goal will be to help them drive organizational effectiveness in that role, service, and also the bottom line. One thing I want you to understand is that you must be aware of the skills all employers are looking for these days, regardless of the position you are seeking. They are looking for employees who are punctual. Everybody wants someone coming early to work. But in these days, with the virtual nature, how is that going to be tracked? Yes, some companies do have um, a resource pool from the back end. Maybe they are using a form of Outlook that tells you, uh, Microsoft Outlook that tells you once you're logged in or logged out, the last time you were there, someone is following. So don't be fooled, guys. If you're working virtually, you think they don't know when you're logged in, Ah, some of you will say, ah, no, I submit the part one. You log in and then you log out and go play. There's something called hibernation. 
There's something called idleness. It will show on the other side because you are not seeing the back end. Many times, the guys to actually befriend in organizations, free tip, I'm giving you guys tips, is the IT guy. If you befriend the IT guy and it's your G, trust me, the guy will give you some warning. Say, oh boy, it just say they work. 90% of the time, you're on idle. That means you're doing something else. One day, management may ask for the sheet. When they ask for the timesheet, you'll stick out like a sore thumb. Better address yourself. The guy will tell you if you are his buddy. In the same manner, you need to have buddies in finance. These ones are just side dishes I'm giving you. It's all about tips, friends. Not only interview. Somewhere, the Jara can come in. This is Jara. You also need to have buddies in finance. If you're a sales guy, you need to have a body in finance. Because they'll be able to tell you, A, when they're going to pay your distributor. When your distributor's check has come in. And B, also, your expense claims. If you have expense claims and you're in the field, you must have a body in head office finance. If you don't, you will roast. Because before your sales admin manager will process and then the sales director will approve before it goes down to the finance director and come, it comes to the desk of some guy in finance who will issue or push the button. That button will now make it get into your account. If those guys are your buddies, they'll tell you, ah, the paper is not in sight. Then you know you have to roast for another two weeks. But you can also come quick to set yourself well. See, having interdependencies, relationship building is the key to success in everything. So employees are looking for people who are dependable, who have a good attitude, who have drive, who have energy, who are enthusiastic. And one way you can demonstrate it is how you've related with your peers, with your bosses, with your principals, and with your subordinates. When you're telling the story of how you have helped work in a team setting, anybody listening to you will know you mean it because you must have been a player. But if you are that kind of person who is not a team player and you're trying to tell the story, you'll be telling it from a th third person singular standpoint. Oh, we used to go out to so, so, so place. Whenever there was time, we will do this. I'm not saying it is wrong, but at that point in time, what they are looking for is the individual contribution. What is your individual contribution? They know that teamwork is critical. And so organizations and employers are looking for skills that speak to dependability. People they can trust. People who stay and don't quit. People who naturally can be very dependable. They are looking for people who want more than a paycheck. But many of you, even from the interview, you start showing, ah, it's about the money. And once they tell you what kind of um, offer do you expect, you say anything. They say, no, make an offer. And then you, without recourse to your own balance sheet that you've given to them, meaning that they would have asked for your pay slip or they would have asked you, depending on what level, to tell them what your guaranteed pay, non-guaranteed, and all the bells and whistles, you would have listed it. But you then begin to focus so much on the money. And they look at you and say, this one is all about money then we know that money is a carrot that will motivate him. And so they do something very strategic. They will do something you may not think about in your head. And say, for instance, the road you are going to is entitled to an official car. And you go all about, I need the money, I need the money, I want the money. They'll tell you it's fine. Rather than giving you an official car, which may cost, call it 20 million, or let's say 10 million, and this will be amortized over four or five years, they will take the two million that will be amortized year on year, give you two years and just add the two million and then tell you, oh, by the way, we'll probably give you a car allowance. And this car allowance will probably be an equivalent of 10% of your annual basic salary. You'll be very happy because they beefed up your annual basic salary, but you'll be foolish to see that they've just taken away one big aspect that will grow your entire portfolio. And that is the official car. Friends, 
let me tell you something. Having an official car is 50% of your total benefit. Go write it down. When the doors are open to launch and learn, these are the kinds of things I'm going to show some of you because a lot of you are just being fooled because you are not sitting pretty well to use wisdom. You want money, money, money. A smart employer will give you beans and you think it is runner beans. I'm not saying that employers cheat. I'm telling you that employers, they do one thing. They try to outwit those would-be employees who think they are smart. And many of you, when you're going for such interviews, you don't have a mentor or a coach you can trust. I have two schools of abroad. I have one school or one type of abroad that will go for a job interview and then they will call me afterwards and say, sir, I've been offered a job at so-so-and-so place and then um, I'll be resuming on Monday as so-so-and-so director or manager. I said, congratulations, and I'll clap for them. Toka, toka, toka. Two months into that job, they'll call me and say, sir, I have a problem. The things that they promised me, they're not given to me. I said, really, what things did they promise you? You start listening. I said, stop. When you were on that journey, you didn't remember I existed. So you have to go through this maze for six months. Then you will learn next time that it's important that some people crossed that road before you got there. And if indeed you wanted anybody to help or give you some form of advisory services, you would have come through. But you don't want me to see how much you're earning. And so you took that sharp curve, go ahead and enjoy yourself. Another type of mentee I have, those ones will keep me posted with every part of the process. And guess what? They will present their offers even before they send it in, what they are earning. They send them to me and ask me to vet it. And I look at it and I say, fine, this is how you are going to present this. Send it to them. They are going to ask you question one, question two, question three. These are your answers to questions one, two, three. Give it to them. And as if, you know, I wish I could bring some of these people to personally testify, but it's, don't worry. You will get a feel of it when we start Lunch and Learn. You'll understand what I'm saying. You can't beat experience, friends. I'm also, by the grace of God, I started from the ground and I got to some level where, you know, I understand how this game is played because I was a player. I was a player before I became a coach. Now I'm a coach player. I'm an employer. At the same time, I was an employee. Now I'm a coach. I can tell you, I've worked for the best of best companies you can imagine across sectors. So I've been there. And most of it at executive level. So I kept hiring. And I was, you know, supervising hiring and making final calls. So I know how organizations think. Or rather, people also think. Because there are some HR and managers and also would-be hiring managers who are very jealous of employees because they don't get what the employees are about to get. It happens. They are human. Now, this second set of my mentees, they come to the table with it. And after a while, two, three, or four of them have always come back to say, they'll tell me, sir, they asked us this question. Who is your mentor? Who is giving you this tip? And I said, never disclose your source. If you've watched uh, Lupin, that beautiful series, you remember the journalist lady? A good journalist never discloses his or her sources. Never disclose your source. But this is what it is. At the interview level, every employer is looking for someone who is self-disciplined. So well-organized, highly motivated, and good at managing themselves in time. Someone who can handle people well, who can use language effectively, each of these things are the things you must use well. So tip number three is very robust, friends. It is robust because these employers are looking for specifics. If you write these whole skills down and present yourself in at least 50 to 60% of this and demonstrable expertise, in 50 to 60% of the things I'm saying here, there is no employer that will not pick you up immediately. But most of us go in there, not strategic. We go there to blab. And what do we blab? Don't spend details, time on general issues. Don't spend time on technical issues. 
because your audience or your panel may not necessarily be all technical. Linda, would they be all general? Find the middle road. Take a bit of your technical, take a bit of your general, and take a bit of your specific capabilities. It's almost like going to a buffet table and then you are there where they serve the first course and then you are seeing a salad bar. When you get to a salad bar, there are all manner of things on the salad bar. Do you pick all and put in your plate? The answer is no. What do you do? If you love sweet corn, you love lettuce, you love cabbage, you pick a piece of each one. And then even if your bowl is large, by the time everybody sees what you're carrying, they will look like rough edges. And indeed, nobody sees you as a big eater. But imagine for a second that the same plate, you take that over to the place, the main meal, where you have all manner of stuff from the things we Nigerians call swallow, which I don't understand how we started this swallow business. So to the extent that you find it in menus, if I come into a restaurant and I see swallow there, I say, this place, you know, it's not for me because the price here is not for the, it's not the kind of price that I'll be able to afford. Of course, you know that by the time they bring the swallow there, it will be Kongi harvest. The one that you slam on the, on the wall and the thing will stand firm because the guys coming there are coming for 24-7. That is the kind of gari or pandadiam that is a slam dunk. But when you go to a proper restaurant, you won't see them use the word swallow. So, have you seen people carry carbohydrates? They'll take all manner, say rice, take a bar, take the soup, and on top of it, they will have beans on one side. You probably are laughing, but true. And they put that in a big plate. Some of you go to interviews like that. You carry all, all the carryables, and the interviewer is just watching you and saying, wow, if we bring this gluten into the organization, we are dead. And they'll just mean it's not fit because they're looking for a motivational fit. Friends, there's so much I could say under this tip, but I'll rest my horses so that I can at least give you some more tips. But I want to say something that every organization or company wants to hire people who can bring in more money than they are paid. So you might be thinking that... Um, Okay, my job, I'm just a waiter. You might be thinking, I'm just a cleaner. You might be thinking, I'm just a cook. You might be thinking, okay, my job is just to make sure that I take orders. What you must think is how the company, the business, is going to generate more money than the, you are being paid. So if you are a waiter in a restaurant, you know that you must turn that table four times over in a day or your shift. What does that mean? That averagely, yes, your customers may not necessarily be the ones that you can gag and say, oh God, come in at 8 and leave at 8.30. No. But the way you're going to serve and the way you're going to run it, A, becomes beneficial to you because you get a tip. And if you work in a proper restaurant system where you guys share the port, good. But if you don't share the port, that could be where you know, they could have a philosophy where your tips come to you. You can make more money for yourself than you do have as your monthly salary. But always remember that every company wants people who bring in more money than they are paid. It means you must think about how you are going to go into that interview, giving them a stretch of their imagination of why you are the better or the best candidate. So, Plan on claiming all of these that you legitimately can during the hiring interview. Of course, with evidence. Many of you just go there and talk, blab, and leave the place. Well, so much for tip three. Let me move swiftly into tip four. When you realize that the employer thinks the way you are doing your job hunt is the way you will do the job, what you need to do is to illustrate throughout the interview what you want to claim will be true of you once you're hired. So if you're coming to the interview with this sense of, you know, prim, proper, very much into process and details, um, dotting all the, you know, I's and crossing the T's. If you plan on claiming that you are very thorough in all your work, you're an ethical, 
be sure to be thorough in the way you have researched the company or organization ahead of time. The manner in which you will act and do your job hunt and the manner in which you will do the job you are seeking are not assumed by most employers to be two unrelated subjects, but one and the same. It's talking about the approach. Listen, think about an aircraft that is about to land. If the pilot has been told by the control tower that is free to land and the entire navigational aids are there and is approaching the runway, it is the way the pilot approaches the runway that would tell the control tower or even the co-pilot that everything is all is well, including the passengers will know because the approach to the runway and will almost determine the landing pattern. Have you seen some pilots when they're about to land, they land with the two gears with a bump, a serious bump, boom, and you feel it. Have you seen other pilots when they land, they glide in as if nothing happens? Now, there are two schools of thought. I'm not a pilot. As much as I really wanted to, you know, be a pilot, I couldn't make it. Um, there are two schools of thought. I have a pilot friend that said to me that the guy that lands with that bang is the one that has a grip of the runway. That the one that comes and smolders and gets in could actually get into some form of a skid. Could skid. So I don't know. That's, those are technical details which I don't want to get involved with. But I'm saying to you, and taking that as part of this interview thing, I'm saying the manner in which you do your job hunt and the manner in which you do the job you're seeking, they are not assumed by employers as mutually different. They're not unrelated, but one and the same. They can tell when you are doing a leap short. They can tell when you are doing a half-hearted job hunt. Why? By the foolish questions you will ask. For example, you're coming to interview for a role in Lagos Talks 91.3 FM as coordinator, coordinator of programs. And then you ask a foolish question. By the way, what is the, um, what do you guys do here in this section? Hello? Okay. Or you ask, what is the dial of this station? I know it's Lagos Talks. Is it 93.1? Is it 39.1? I forgot, you know, wait till you are there applying. You applied for a job. You are there sitting right before either the HR director, the managing director, or the pro programs director, or whoever. And you're asking a foolish question. What do you guys do here? How did you get there? That is a clear warning that you will do a slip short, a half-hearted job if they are foolish enough to employ you. But I know Lagos Talks will not employ you. This is a station that will definitely look through all of that. But why am I saying this? Most people job hunt the same way they live their lives and they do their work. If you want to be successful in this career-changing pathway you're taking, you can't afford to be slipshod. You can't afford to be double-speak. You can't afford to be half-hearted. You start well, you must end well. Let me give you tip number five. And tip number five is really about you doing some work with yourself. Try to think of some way to bring evidence of your skills to the hiring interview. For example, if you are someone who is very good in artistry, maybe you're creative, I think one of the things you can bring to the table is by mimicking some of those moments when you have your creativity will always bring the best and the best of you. Now, if you are truly someone of craft, then you can bring a sample of what you have made or produced. If you're someone who's going in for a voice training, you can actually bring a demo. Just the same way, you know, artists will always do their demo. They'll have it and then they give it to the record company and say, hey, listen to my song. And then I like that. I don't like that. If you don't know how it works, just go to one of these uh, shows that are on now. Um, 
and you'll realize that it's something that you need to bring to the table. And if you're a programmer, you can bring examples of your scripts and so on. So what I'm saying to you as a tip here is try to bring evidence of your skills to the hiring interview. Many of us do not bring our skills to the hiring interview. We don't present our skills well. We talk about them in a hazy fashion. If you have physical evidence, you can bring it. Nothing stops you. If you can comically deliver the evidence, then so do it. The man or woman on the other side that is interviewing you is looking for specifics. Like I gave you a whole list of the kind of person or people they're looking for. And so that's how it runs. That's how it rolls. If you're thinking of doing better and getting this next job, I hope these four or five tips I've given you on this edition will help. Well, if you want to continue, I'll be back on Tuesday on the same trajectory as we look at those practical tips for job hunters and for career changers. I promise you that this practical guide or tips will take you on a journey that will make you extremely happy because that's what Richard Bowles expects. And that's all came through. All of this is a function of what I've read, what I've also learned, and what I've experienced. Friends, if you have questions, please send a mail to contact at navigatewithid.com. I'll be more than happy to respond. In the meantime, I wish you all the very best. And once again, Bakadisala to all our Muslim listeners. God bless you and goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Right, ID, let's talk about what it was like you know growing up i mean today's kids they dictate essentially what they want to study it's gone are the days when a, a parent would say right you're going to be a lawyer or you're going to be a doctor or these days the kids will come up with something and say this is what we're doing and as a parent you'd be wise to just run with it tell me what it was like for you growing up i actually wanted to study theater arts but my dad looked me straight in the eyes and said you want to be an alue or babasala <laughs> Get out of here, my friend. <laughs> and that was the end of it. Follow the intriguing chronicles of a great man told in his own words in the grip of grace. Available online at Roving Heights, Amazon, and www.navigateswithid.com. Also available at guided streams bookstores. In the grip of grace, a book by ID Enang.